You are listening to audio from Summit Community Church. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel at SCC Morganton. Good morning, SCC. How are you? Well, that was delayed, but I believe you're there with me. Good morning. Good to see you this morning online and on our campus. Great to have you with us. Before we get into the scripture, a couple of uh, details, some announcements for you real quickly. Next Sunday, we begin a brand new series called Wrecked. We're going to study about five people from scripture whose lives were totally wrecked, turned upside down by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and encompassing that with our Easter service in the middle of that series. Also, in this series, we're bringing back our Good Friday service, April 15th at 7 o'clock right here, a brief service to remember Jesus' crucifixion leading to his resurrection from the grave. Why is Good Friday called Good Friday? Because we know the end of the story. Christ does resurrect, and Christ does ascend back to the Father. That makes it Good Friday. So join us on that service on April 15th at 7 o'clock. And last is this. On the screen, you'll see a graphic for Baptist on Mission, the Ukraine crisis. We've been praying for a while about how to get involved in the Ukrainian crisis hitting our world. It's been rampant for weeks now. And as you pray about other organizations and missions that pop up during times like this, you want to make sure they're, you want to vet them, make sure they're reputable, doing what they say they're going to do. Well, as we've been praying about this, my email box got An email came to it from Baptist on Mission here in the state, and they've been on the ground since day one. And their email said, we we don't need volunteers right now, we need funds. And God says, there's your answer. We can help fund them. We have partnerships in Ukraine through being Southern Baptists that they are partnering with us to help us get the goods, get get the supplies to make the food, but they need funds to buy the food. It takes $2 a day to feed a person. Who are, who are the refugees there in Poland where we are. And I want to make sure you understand this. On this graphic, it might not be very clear, but we can help make a difference because I want you to guess how much of our giving goes to the effort there in the Ukrainian crisis with the refugees. 100%. Yes. 100% of what we give goes to the crisis there in Poland with refugees from Ukraine. So how we can help is this. This past this week, we're cutting a check out of the budget for $5,000 to kickstart this thing to the Ukrainian Crisis Baptist on Mission. That's just the beginning. Now for the next two weeks, here's what we're asking from you. We want you to give above and beyond your tithes and offerings to Summit Community Church and identify, put on their Ukrainian crisis, and we will take those funds you give in the next two weeks, and whatever is brought in from you as you're above and beyond giving, we will match it for a second check to Ukrainian Crisis Baptist on Mission. And then, so we want to make sure you help us make an impact. Yeah, go ahead. We are, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are partners of Southern Baptists all around the world. And if we can help through our partnerships to help on the ground with 100% of funds going to this, we need to do all we can to make it happen. So we'll match it for the next two weeks. And then two weeks, let's see what it is, and we'll match those funds. That'll be the second step of a long process of giving and helping in this crisis there in the Ukraine with all the situations going on. You're like me. I watch the news and I watch families being separated because 
Some are fighting. Some are leaving as refugees, as getting on buses and leaving. It's devastating to see what's going on. But God's in control. We need to trust Him for this. And as we're going to see today in Scriptures, we go through storms. But we must know Jesus, and He's with us in the storms. God's with them. Let's pray God's intervention in this crisis and how we can put feet to our prayers in this giving part of who we are as Summit Community Church. And as we, as we do this, let's pray for this. Pray for them. Pray for this time of giving. We're moving two weeks of this. Let's pray right now for Ukraine. Father, we just praise you. We are blessed by you, Father. We're in a place where we can sit in our homes and we can travel our streets. And Father, for me and many of us, if there's a boom goes off in the woods, it means somebody's hunting wild game. It's not a bomb crashing over our heads, wreaking havoc in our land. What's happening in Ukraine, Father, is so evil. And Father, I pray that you would intervene and work miracles in this place, that you would intervene and bring it to a halt where it brings glory to your name. Father, I pray for all the refugees who are separated from their families. Father, be very close to them. Provide what they need. Provide what the nation needs. I pray, Father, there would be relief. That there would be an ending to all this crisis over there. And Father, in the meantime, help us to be faithful with feet to our prayers to meet the need of crisis there in that land. We are blessed by you to be a blessing to others. May we do that. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's dive into Scripture. We're in the Gospel of Mark, season 1, talking about Jesus in Mark 4, how he's been teaching the disciples, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the crowds. We're diving deep into the Gospel of Mark, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, to get into Mark's mind and the flow of God's Word. Now, right here in Mark 4 that Eddie read for us a moment ago so wonderfully, we're talking about this calming of the storm. Now, prior to this, Jesus has been teaching for quite a long time, teaching the crowds, Pharisees and scribes, his disciples, been teaching in parables. A parable being something you bring alongside something else to proclaim a truth. That truth being God's kingdom. And so far, Christ has used, first of all, was the seed, the sower, and the soil, with focus on the soil, our receptivity to the gospel. Second was, he said, as a follower, you're to be a lamp. A lamp shines in a very dark place. Let your light shine. Third one was back to the seed analogy again. God's, God's kingdom being the truth, but the seed. And the focus this time is not on us as soil, but on the seed itself. The miracle of the seed, the mystery of the seed, that mysterious growth, the miracle of the size of the growth of this seed that God implants in us, in our hearts, in the world around us, through us spreading that seed. So he's been teaching for a long time. You can understand why he is so physically exhausted. He's ready for a break. He is at a point now in Mark 4 where this last portion, he has had a get in a boat, push back from the shore to get distance from him and the people because they're getting so close, they're pressing in on him. He's tired. He's weary. He's exhausted. So he asked the disciples to go to the other side. Let's go to the other side of the lake where it's not so crowded, where I can get a break, where I can get some relief to re-energize and refocus and tackle needs over there in their crisis moments. He's been teaching a long time, but you know what? Christ has not finished teaching yet. There's a rather large and really important lesson that he's going to teach his own disciples 
as they make their way across the lake. And you know what? They have no clue it's coming their way. No idea. You see, Jesus didn't have a weather map, a weather app on his phone. Didn't have access to this. He probably said, praise the Lord, I didn't. But he didn't have an app to tell the weather. He didn't have the weather forecast on the news and the evening news. He had one thing greater than any of that. Christ is omniscient. Christ knows everything before it ever happens. He knows this storm is coming. Using his omniscience, knowing all things, he's like a first century storm chaser. He's going right into the storm with his disciples to teach them a lesson about their lives and teach us, as we read it today, about our lives as well. The big idea for this, so the message this morning is this on the screen. Jesus will lead you through what he leads you into. When Christ leads you into a storm, he will lead you through that storm. We must rest in that fact. If Christ leads you into it, he will lead you through it. That's his truth. Now, breaking that down, let's look at Scripture. Verse 35, it says this, On that day, when evening had come, he told them, Let's, or let us, cross over to the other side of the sea. That's critical for us to understand that Jesus tells them, he commands them to push back from the shore and head to the other side of the lake. As we said, Christ is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows a storm is coming. So the reality, the reality is this, Christ purposefully, catch that phrase, purposefully led them into the storm. So often you and I face storms. We do. We face storms because we are disobedient. Those happen. But there are times in life that we face storms, not because we're disobedient, but because we are obedient. We come up against them, not because we're out of the will of God, but simply because we're in the will of God. There are things we learn about ourselves and God that we can only learn in the middle of a storm and not on a calm sea. There is the rub with this very real truth. And here's the rub. None of us likes storms. But there are things we learn that we can only learn in a storm. Some things about God, some things about ourselves, as I said, that we can't learn in the calm. So, clueless, totally clueless. Here they go to the other side of the lake. Look at verse 36. So, they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. Now, when I read this, I can't tell you how many times I've read this passage. This one verse was an aha moment for me, and I'll tell you why. This is one of those times when you're watching TV, and one of those things is like, really? You're into the show, the, the, the television, whatever it is you're watching, this message comes on. We interrupt this programming for a brief, important message. And you're thinking, I better clue in here. It says important message, breaking in on the broadcast. Here's one of those break-ins, okay, on the very important message. My aha moment was this. They've been in a boat with Jesus, teaching from this very boat. Christ clearly says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. But that, but 36, what does it say? It says, so they left the crowd 
And this phrase, took him along since he was in the boat. That's the phrase that got me. Did you see it? They took him along since he was in the boat. It was like Jesus was seen as a tag-along. I want to tell you this. Jesus is not a tag-along in your life. You don't bring him along for the ride. He's never along just for the ride. You know, they're like right here. And this, this ties in. you got to follow with me because this will tie into the end. They're like, well, since you're in the boat, we'll take you with us. Yeah, sure. We'll get you to the other side, Jesus. Don't worry. We got this. Glad to have you with us. After all, you know, they're skilled fishermen. They knew this lake like the back of their hand. They spent their lives on this lake. But they saw Jesus as just a tag along in their boat. But they didn't realize this. Christ is not a tag along. He is leading and he is in charge. Doesn't appear that way through the story, but he is. Many times life will be unfolding for us. We look at Jesus along the way as a tag along, and we forget that Jesus is leading and he's in charge. We're like, don't worry, Jesus. I got this. It's all good. Glad to have you with me. Come on, I'll, I'll leave. Let's go. What I want you to grab is this. We must recognize and acknowledge Jesus is leading us, and he's in charge. He's not a tag along. But we're so guilty when things are calm, things are good, there's no storm that we can see. Come on, Jesus, just come along for the ride. We've got to realize this. Even in the calm, Jesus is in charge. He's not a tag-along. He's leading us, even in the calm, especially in the calm. How quickly they were going to find out they did not have this under control. Christ is actually in charge. Now keep that thought as we move through this passage. The next thing we see is this. You're never alone in your storm. Mark is very specific in his gospel with a detail. He says, and other boats were with him. He's the only writer who includes this detail about other boats were with him. Not only is Jesus in your boat with you, but there are others around who are watching you. They were watching Jesus. They were on, they were in route with Jesus' boat because they're, they're with Jesus. They're going to the other side with him, tagging, going along with him to the other side. These other boats are watching what's happening because they're following the boat that Jesus is in. When you and I go through a storm, critical to understand that people are watching us. They are looking at how we respond, how we react to what's happening to us. The greatest testimony you will ever give in your life is how you handle storms that inevitably will invade your life. And key word is invade. They come unwelcomed, unannounced. Here they are. And how you respond, how you react is your testimony other believers in a lost world. They are watching. When you least expect it and it invades your life, how you react will either point people to Jesus or push them away from Jesus. Other people were around watching what was taking place with Jesus, following along with that boat that he was in. Now here comes the unexpected. Verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. 
Yeah, the disciples, they knew this lake. They thought they had it all under control, and they were just bringing Jesus along for the ride, but they were so wrong. You see, they knew the details about this Sea of Galilee. They knew it was, it was 700 feet below sea level. They knew the mountains were much higher at 9,200 feet, creating a bowl effect for storms to arise. You see, what happens was this, this cold air would sweep down in the warm air of the sea, perfect scenario for a great storm. When that warm air meets the cold air, here it goes. It's off to a cataclysmic storm of epic proportions in their life. They knew all this. But as much as they knew about the Sea of Galilee and the storms they'd been through, they had never, never seen a storm like this. This blew their minds. It's not an ordinary storm. Don't misinterpret the word here in English. The word windstorm here that Mark uses is a word that can be translated hurricane. When Matthew writes about this, he uses a word that means earthquake. Matthew says of seismic proportions. So what do you have? You've got a hurricane, an earthquake-type storm in seismic huge proportions hitting the lake with the disciples in a small wooden boat crossing to the other side. They know things like this end in disaster. They are scared, as it says, for their very lives. They've never seen anything. You see why they're afraid. Look at verse 38. He was in the stern. Christ was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They are obviously afraid when they go to find Jesus asleep and wake him up. And Jesus actually asked, why are you afraid? Now, if somebody, I go to somebody and look at me going, why are you afraid right now? That most likely means I am afraid. My reactions have given myself away. And if you're around me and I start talking much faster than normal, that means something's got me worked up. If my eyes about bug out of my head, that means something's got me worried or concerned. I'm probably afraid. Their reactions tell Jesus they're afraid he knows this. He said, why are you afraid? They were, as the word here for fear is panic, they were panic-stricken. They were panic-stricken because as fishermen, they knew that being in a middle of a storm like this was disaster. The disciples did not get the next truth, and many times we don't either in the middle of our storms. See, in a panic-stricken mindset, they go and find Jesus asleep. So they're shocked. That verse again says, 38, he was asleep in the he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said, him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? See, Christ had a long, exhausting day. His spirit was alive, his body was just flat out exhausted. He physically needed rest. He was sound asleep in the stern on a cushion. And when you've identified a cushion to lay your head on, that means you're planning on going to sleep. Get on a plane beside of someone and a neck pillow comes out. What does that mean? I'm checking out. Don't talk to me. I'm going to sleep. Right? 
Christ is on this cushion knowing he's going to sleep. He planned on sleeping. And they're confused. They don't know why is he sleeping here. He's sleeping even when he knows a storm is coming. Disciples don't get it. They knew he was exhausted, but they said, here's this storm. The boat is rocking like you've never seen before, almost to the point of capsizing. Waves are coming over the boat. We're about to sink with water in it. The rain's pelting him in the face. The wind is blowing just unimaginably hard, and he is sound asleep. They're like, why are you still sleeping? How can you sleep through all this? You're in times like this. People outside the church say, where is God? During times like this inside the church, people many times wonder, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Don't you care about what's going on? You see, this storm was actually serious because here's the, the real problem lies in their, in their question to Jesus. He said, don't you care that we're about to die? The word for die here means being destroyed. It's like, Jesus, we're about to be destroyed and you're literally asleep. There's the problem. The disciples are afraid. They're panicking. And it seems like Jesus simply does not care. They knew Jesus was in there with them. It was obvious. But they did not know exactly who Jesus was. Have not connected dots yet. You and I have to know in our storms that we face that Jesus is with us, but also Jesus is in control. Second thought, Jesus is in control. Apparently, Jesus was not, Jesus was not filled with panic or worry because Christ gets up, wipes the sleep out of his eyes, and he quickly handles the storm, handles the situation. He got up, verse 39 says, he got up, rebuked the wind, said to the sea, silence, be still. So, get this picture. Jesus wakes up in the middle of this hurricane, earthquake-type storm, threatening to sink the boat. He stands up, wipes sleep out of his eyes, steps on the stern, and what does it say? It says, he rebukes the wind, says to the sea, silence, be still. Rebukes the wind. He speaks to the storm. Those two words are critical for us to understand because you rebuke, Someone, not something. You speak to someone, not something. Jesus rebukes and he speaks. He's talking to nature right here like he knows it. He not just knows it, but he has a thought. He says, silence. He's In the Greek, you know what it means? Shut your mouth and keep your mouth shut. Had enough. I grasped, I grasped the gravity of this years ago when we were in Aiken before we moved back to North Carolina. We did a production at Christmas time every year. This particular year, we did some things based on the life of Christ, weaving it into the Christmas story. They'd asked me to portray Jesus in some scenes with some kids and things like this, and they had one scene of him calming the storm in one of the songs we sang. They had built this pretty fancy boat that went out over the crowd. It was suspended from the air, and I was with some guys who were disciples, and here I was portraying Jesus. And it was overwhelming at times, because I thought, man, this is, this is unbelievable to be portraying him in this 
scenario. And they would have the lights going, the sound effects were moving like a storm, and the boat was doing a little bit of this, and as real as we could make it, but it, it was pretty graphic with the sound. And when I stood up the first time I did this scene, they said, just raise up, we didn't speak any lines, we just had to portray what was going on. And as the song talked about him calming the sea and the storm, I was supposed to get up and put my hand up. And I was so nonchalant, I just, you know, I, I got up in the middle of the, like I said, when I was supposed to get up, and I get up, got up and I just went, and the, and the director, lady, she, the director lady stopped. She said, no, Mike, no. You put that up just like it's all oh, whatever. She said, you've got to put it up with a thought. Put your hand up like you mean it. And when, next time, and what I did is the next time I stood up and I went, and I stood up and went. Like that, I was like, man, I get it. Jesus chose to speak because he wanted to, but he didn't have to. All he had to do was just go, I've had enough. With authority. He spoke and reacted to this storm and the wind as someone who knew it and had authority over it. Shut your mouth and keep it shut. And the word be still in the Greek is a verb that means continuing action. And it does. Look at this verse. The wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Christ has put this storm into a timeout in the corner. The word for calm here, in the original language in the Greek, is a word for a massive calm. You know what that means? Try any storm of any size. Try just a jet ski coming by when you're trying to fish on the lake. The jet ski's been long gone. But this continues for a while, right? To calm things down. Usually after a storm like this, it would take a long time for that sea to calm down. But you know what? This word here, you know what it means? When Jesus spoke to the storm and the winds, that great calm means this. Instant. It went from rocking waves ready to sink the boat to glassy sea. Immediately. The disciples were just like, what is going on? Put yourself in their shoes. What would be going through your mind as you witnessed this from Jesus in the middle of the storm? So the question is, why is he intending to sleep if he knows the storm is coming? Because he's teaching them a lesson. He's teaching us a lesson through this story. He's not done teaching yet. It moves us to the last part of the story. You see, I want you to capture everything in. It's not enough to know that Jesus is with us. You have to know that He's in control. But you also, you know what? You have to know who He is. We must know that He's in the boat with us. We know He is in control. But we've got to know who Jesus is. And verse 40 is such a gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching question. He looks at them and says, verse 40, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? A very convicting and telling question to all of us, to the disciples. He says, where's your faith? Do you not have faith? See, faith, let's look at this for a minute. Faith is not. Faith is not compatible with worries and fears and anxieties in the world that overcome us. Now, the way I use this word anxiety, anxiety is very real. 
is very real. Not speaking against that. But what the word here means is this, is if we carry the worries and concerns of the world like a pack on our backs that burden us down so far that we cannot see God's work in our lives and it causes us to lack trust in Him and perspective on Him. Right here, they were stressed. They were just worked up. He says, you need to rest in me. We need faith that resists and conquers fear like this. The storms will come and storms will go. And Jesus will say, where's your faith? Look at verse, the reason is in the next verse, verse 41. And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. That says right here, they were terrified. Things have ramped up. It's a different word. First, afraid was panic-stricken. Not knowing the outcome, out of control. This word terrified is a word for reverence or awe in the presence of a powerful, intimidating force. Now catch this. It had been a really good ending for any movie in Hollywood for this story to end at verse 40. Storm, crazy storm going on, about ready to sink the ship, sink the boat. Christ is asleep. He gets up. He speaks to the storm as calm. There was a great calm. The end. Credits start rolling. Music starts playing. Story over. But the story does not end there because the main point is here in 41. Did you catch what that word means? They were terrified, which means they were reverence or awe in the presence of a powerful, intimidating force. What was this powerful, intimidating force now? The storm's been taken care of. What's this force now? Aha! They're clicking. Something's going on here. He has just spoke to the wind and the waves as if he knows it. But he has authority over it. In our Jewish minds, we understand only one person can do this. It's called Yahweh God. Can do this kind of thing. Who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey. Now that fear of the storm, past tense, present tense, transferred to terror in the midst of an awe, in awe and reverence for a powerful intimidating force named God in the flesh. This is what Jesus wants us to understand. They are awestruck. They're dumb. It's what we must grasp. You can't just know who Je that Jesus is with you. You have to know who Jesus is. We have to. There's no other thing to say. We have to know who Jesus is. We said a moment ago what faith is not. Here's what faith is. In this verse, faith is an all-filled fear of God. That's the real main point of this whole entire story. You see, none of us knows when storms will come. They come unwelcome. 
They come unannounced. They come with a vengeance. And they just hit us. We like to read this story and go, your storm will end very soon. Quick. I wish with all my heart that I could tell you that. I wish with all my heart that could be the truth of what we grab to this. Not so. I can't say when your storms will come, when they will go, when they will start, when they will end. I have no idea. None of us knows. Some storms last for a while. Some storms end sooner than others. But whatever wind and waves the world throws at us, the one who can silence those winds and waves is right there with us. We must know him in the full capacity who he is. Know he's with us. In this his presence and his power will never leave us. And through the enduring processes that take place to endure a storm, we're going to rest in Jesus. He's here with me. He's not a tag along. Even in the calm, he's in charge. He's in control because I don't know what's ahead of me. A storm is rising on the, on the horizon. He's in control. He's in charge. And I must know him and who he is as the God of the universe, as the Savior and Lord of the universe, and to be the Savior and Lord of my life. That's what I need to know. In any storm that comes our way, Christ will do one of two things. He will either deliver us by showing His power from the storm, or He will show off His power by His ability to keep us in the storm. Our challenge today is to leave behind a fear-based panic and worry and replace that with an awe-filled fear of God who will never leave us alone, who promises to see us through the storm. A.W. Tozer once said this. I thought this is so, so profound. He said, you can't truly rest until every area of your life rests in God. We must turn everything we are, everything we have, everything about us over to God, let Him have it, and then we can truly understand rest, knowing that we are not alone in this process. Let's fast forward to the end of the story. I don't know what your life looks like. You might be in a calm right now. You might be just sort of cruising. Things are good. You could truthfully say, I'm good. Be truthful. But even in that point, don't deceive yourself that a storm might be coming on the horizon. And in that calm where you say, I'm good right now, still say, God, I know you're with me. Jesus, I know you're with me. I know you're in charge. I know you're in control. And I do know who you are. Thank you. That storm hits you. I don't know what storm you're in maybe right now. In your storm, don't panic. Rest in an awe-filled reverence of Jesus because you know He's with you in your boat, He is in control, and you know totally who He is. And that He will lead you through any storm you face in your life. You know what? At the end of the storm, when that's over, you cross to the other side, whenever that is, look back and praise Him for it. Praise Him. Where are you in this journey today?
Have you ever understood that Christ needs and wants control over your life? He wants to be your Savior and your Lord. Have you ever understood that how you navigate through a storm will speak to others around you? Do you live in panic? Or do you live in an all-filled reverence of God because you know Him personally and who He wants to be in your life? Where are you? Wherever you're at, surrender to Jesus. Pray to Him now during our worship time together. Let Him have your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, have your way in our hearts today. Help us, Father, to see this story, see us in this story, see our lives in this story. None of us can predict what's going to happen the very next moment. None of us can see storms arising on the horizon that we're getting ready to head into. Many of those because we're out of your will, but many because we're in your will. And as they happen, help us to be secure with you in our boat, to understand you're not a tag-along. You're in charge. You're in control. Help us to surrender to that in knowing you for who you really are, to know you as Savior and Lord of our lives, giving everything to you, resting in you. May that be us today, I pray. Father, wherever we are in this journey, bring us to that place of awe and reverence of you, knowing you fully as Savior and We praise you. We love you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Summit Community Church, please check out our website at summitchurch.me or on social media on Facebook or Instagram at SCC Morganton.